Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. We'd like to welcome our new subscribers to the podcast and welcome back repeat listeners. For this, our fourth episode, we're going to be doing a review and ranking of the best movies from summer 2017, along with a Hershey trip report and our popular Stuff We Love segment. So let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. I'm Scott. I'm Joe. And I'm Neil. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. This summer has had some of the greatest movies in a long time, so we made a list of 10 of the movies that we thought stood out to us this summer, and we're going to go through our top 10 in reverse order, starting with our least favorites. Lights, camera, action. Let's talk about movies. Okay, so first, coming in at last place for a lot of different reasons, is Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales which was what I believe to be the last in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts on this movie? Well, the amazing thing about this is I remember years ago when the Pirates of the Caribbean series launched and going to the theater to see the movie, I was blown away by it. It was exciting to see a theme park ride come to the big screen in such a unique and imaginative way. Johnny Depp obviously created an instantly legendary character in Jack Sparrow. But as the series went on, I thought each successive film decreased in quality. And when the early reviews were coming out about this latest film, the newest Pirates of the Caribbean, the buzz was just absolutely terrible. And I sensed that it wasn't going to be funny, it was going to feel repetitive and just released to make money. And sure enough, when it opened, it did get bad reviews. Some hardcore Disney fans did like it, but overall, I think the sentiment was quite negative. Uh, people still like Johnny Depp, but even felt that that character was getting a little bit stale. And Jack, it's interesting to me that you put this as your least favorite, because I know so well that you, for years, have been such a Pirates fan. So for you to put this at the bottom of your list really means that it's a terrible movie. I, yeah, I put it at the bottom of the list because of how much I love the series, and for them to make this movie and just... A lot of things they did with the movie I just wasn't happy with, especially how they portrayed uh, Jack Sparrow, his character. They had him, typically in old movies, they always portrayed him as kind of a, uh, uh, a, a loose kind of, you know, a little bit of a drunk, but, you know, a funny individual character. But he always had some master plan that he was figuring out, whether it was by luck or um, that he was actually designing. He always seemed to have some plan in each movie. However, in this movie, it seems like he was kind of just literally falling from one scene to another, didn't really have too big of a role in it. And um, maybe that's just because the movie the movie's getting a little bit old, and so that's just kind of how I felt watching it. But to have such great movies, um, and to have them be, in my opinion, ruined with this last one, I wasn't too happy with it in the slightest. But it was cool to see him on uh, the screen again with a new plot. But I, I honestly didn't like the movie, and by the time the movie was over, I was just going like, what now? The plot really didn't mean much. The whole reveal was that she was Barbosa's daughter. Spoiler alert. And um, other than that, it, it, it really didn't do it for me. The reverse spoiler alert. I love it. I actually did not see this movie, uh, um, so I really can't uh, bring in any other comments other than I, I second what Scott said about how exciting it was when Pirates of the Caribbean first came out. I remember I saw the first one, I think, two or three times in the theater. And I was just, uh, each time I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, so, uh, But uh, this happens to a lot of movies. One of the few... Uh, films where it's a series or an anthology where this has not happened is Fast and the Furious, uh, where, where it's naturally evolved in a way where it, it's, and I, I like it at all different from the beginning to the most recent for different reasons, but the films which started out as a really about a, a crew and uh, on a much smaller scale, and now it's uh, all in a street racing scene based on that article, how it's evolved into this larger than life 
uh, uh, type of series where it's actually entertaining the way they're pushing the limits um, each time uh, in a different way. Uh, it's apparently parts of the Caribbean uh, did not uh, follow suit uh, in that regard. For any viewers who don't know, Neil loves Fast and Furious. Just, just put that out there. Always Neil, have, always have. He, Neil's not the only one. Uh, it's, <laughs> Fast and Furious is a great franchise, and Pirates of the Caribbean just is not anymore. <laughs> I, I, when we were going through this list of the t- the the top, if you want to call it, movies, I honestly forgot Pirates of the Caribbean even came out this year. And even looking at the top grossing movie list of the summer, it's number five on the list with 171 million. I totally forgot the movie was even released, and that says it all to me. It was just terrible. Great, great point, Joe. I, I, in yeah. all honesty, before this list, I, I forgot, too. Well, now, after talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, I think we could go rather quickly through numbers nine and eight on the list. At number nine was The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise. A little bit of backstory on this. Universal Studios was hoping to reboot their classic monster series, and they are still planning on doing it despite the negative reviews and atrocious box office for The Mummy. Uh, But when the trailer for The Mummy was first released, people watched it, myself included, and thought, this is absolutely disgraceful. I'm a big fan of classic Universal Studios horror films, and the fact that it was coming back in this over-the-top CGI garbage was very upsetting to me and many other fans. So then The Mummy came out, and the reviews were terrible. I actually chose not to see it in theaters, although I will be seeing it on Netflix DVD when that comes out. Uh, but The Mummy was a failure at the box office and deserves to be at the bottom of the list. Uh, you guys have anything to add to The Mummy, or should I go on to number eight? I, I think you can move on. I refuse to see this movie just because of how much I love Universal Studios monsters and just what they've done to this. Uh, I will not see it. I miss Brendan Fraser and uh, uh, The Rock, too. I agree. Uh, I, lo- I love The Rock at Universal. I'm just glad that's still there. That's that's one of the best rides in the entire park. So it's great. It, I don't know what they're going to do with this one. Hopefully nothing. I don't think anything. Yeah. Jack, did you see The Mummy? I did not, but with a 16% around tomatoes, it couldn't have been good. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in above The Mummy, but still not doing quite well, was King Arthur. This film starring Charlie Unum opened up to high expectations. It was one of the earlier films released this summer movie season. And the reviews were not good. Again, this is a movie I chose not to see in cinema but I will see it on Netflix DVD. But I, Neil, am I correct that you did see it and liked it? Is that right? Uh, that is absolutely correct. I enjoy this movie. Uh, I thought uh, it was the perfect summer movie to go see on like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. Uh, I feel like there's a whole category of movies that are perfect for that exact time slot. Something where it's just fun, rela- you know, you can enjoy it. Uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Charlie Hunnam. I think he did a fantastic job. I think he's a great actor. Uh, and um, and I just really, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was perfect for what it was. And the I will say it came out at the same time uh, as Charlie Hunnam's other film, uh, where the Lost City of uh, – the Lost City of Z. Lost City of Z. And um, that, for me, that was, I mean, that was just an incredible film. I, I loved every second of that film. I, I thought he was fantastic. All the actors, Robert Pattinson. Um, uh, I, I just thought it was really just terrific. So that was part of my whole Charlie Hunnam summer. Uh, uh, I think that was, yeah, right around the same time of enjoying the Charlie Hunnam uh, films uh, coming out. I mm-hmm. liked it. Then we have a movie that opened up and did pretty well for a smaller film and actually got really good reviews. And this is The Big Sick. It seems like every summer there's a movie that's released which has a couple of big names in it, a couple of smaller names. 
has a romantic comedic touch to it and does well despite being a low budget film. And for this summer, that was the big stick. Oh, excuse me, the big set. Uh, the movie's biggest star, I guess, was Ray Romano, who was in there, and Holly Hunter was as well. Again, this is a movie that I did not see in theaters, but I heard nothing but positive reviews for the film and something that I will definitely see. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 98%, which is a stellar review. Uh, you guys have any uh, thoughts on this movie, what you heard about it? Did you see it, and are you planning on seeing it? So I, I didn't see the movie, um, but I, I do want to see it. I like Kumal Nanjiani a lot. Yes. He's this, you know, the star of the movie. Um, and what I found interesting was that this little movie it has outgrossed movies like The Dark Tower, uh, Detroit, The the Nut Job, big big budget movies, um, which gives me a little bit of hope for the box office in the future. It gives me hope that we're going to be seeing movies with good scripts in the future. Well, we'll see. As as our listeners will see as we make our way towards the top of the list, we're not opposed to big budget movies. We certainly love those movies. That's a big part of what this podcast is about. But very often those big budget movies are not good, as evidenced by the films we were talking about earlier this evening. Uh, so we look to the smaller films to pick up that slack, and that's what The Big Stick does. Uh, Neil, you have any thoughts on this? A big-budget movie that was the opposite, that was really successful, was War for the Planet of the Apes. So this was the third chapter of the critically acclaimed blockbuster, and I saw the first a while ago, uh, only parts of it. I didn't see the second completely through, but loved um, this newer movie. So I actually saw it with our co-host Neil here, and uh, we both had the same reaction coming out of the theater. We both loved it. And I, what I loved the most about it was that I hadn't seen the second movie, yet it seemed to me like it was its own standalone film. Within the first 10 minutes of the movie, they fill you in on what happened in the last movie, so you're not confused or anything, and anyone who had just seen the movie now can follow along. But I felt, by the end of the movie, even though I wasn't familiar with the cast or the characters, emotionally connected to uh, a lot of the characters in the movie, and I think that's because the acting was so fantastic. CGI, especially for the apes, was extremely well done to the point where you gain a personal connections with the CGI characters, even though that's what they are, CGI. Um, and so I thought the movie was really good, and it comes in at 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I think it's very deserving. And uh, Woody Harrelson and Andy Serkis uh, playing the ape, they both do a really good job. So Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, Jack, I think I, I think it does Andy Serkis and those characters a disservice to say they're CGI. Uh, you know, I think Andy Serkis deserves an Academy Award nomination, at least for this performance, when he, you know, he plays Caesar. Um, and, and you might know Andy Serkis uh, from Lord of the Rings, where he played Gollum. He does a lot of these motion capture movies, but he's actually doing the acting. And he is just he's he's unbelievable. And he really made you feel um, like you were watching an ape who has, I don't want to say come to life, but who is like an actual person almost. And uh, I, I just want to. You know, I just want to give him props for that. It's it's unbelievable. I, I agree with uh, both of your comments there on commentary. It was uh, I thought it was terrific. I, I think the entire franchise is terrific. Uh, I, it's here's a rebooted franchise that does a fantastic job. Uh, and, and and Jack, to what you were saying, you're absolutely right. You could see this movie have never seen or, or never been familiar with any of the storylines from the previous Planet of the Apes, and you could thoroughly enjoy this. And, and the reason I believe that is the case is the characters, not only do they do an amazing job in the first 10 minutes, but the characters are so fully developed, you're so emotionally invested in every single character, even the characters you do not like, That uh, it, it, and, and it's just brilliant filmmaking. I, I loved it. I loved it. It's it just great. Well, all of us here at Stuff We Love have talked many times about Andy Serkis, and how much of a fan we are of him. 
he's a stellar actor and he fills his characters with such emotion that you really feel like you're watching a human on screen. So anything he is in or a part of, I will see. And Planet of the Apes is a testament to his success. So we love him. Big fans. In many respects, I think uh, I'm a huge Lon Chaney fan. And even though Lon Chaney was known for his silent films, I, I do feel as if Circus carries on that legacy by uh, taking the art of using facial expressions and the art of movement in a way to really develop the emotional uh, – uh, the, the the character and as a whole as a, as a real tangible character a real life and and just through motions and uh, it, it's pretty amazing to witness while of course he has dialogue throughout it's it's um there's something really beautiful about watching his work and I, I do think that it, it, it goes back to those days of almost uh, of uh, Lon Chaney and how he was able to do the same thing in many respects so before we go on to our next movie since you mentioned Lon Chaney. I'll drop the first Stuff We Love Halloween reference. Now as we approach Halloween season, if you want to watch a great horror movie starring Lon Chaney, watch the silent 1925 film The Phantom of the Opera. It is a classic and we love it. So now coming in at number five is Dunkirk, a movie that had a lot of hype surrounding it and it didn't really disappoint in terms of um, what people thought of it. So coming in, it had 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. I saw it and... I actually really loved it. Um, what I would recommend for anyone who saw it and may- maybe didn't like it is see it a second time because I know while I was watching it through the first time and I saw it with a couple of friends, they turned to me at points and said, like, what is going on here? And at times, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little bit confused because what they do in Dunkirk is complete a scene from one point of view and then kind of go back and redo the scene from a different point of view. So if you're not aware of that it gets confusing because you think wait I already saw this happen or what's going on here or why is it night right now and so you just have to be aware of that when you're watching the movie but the movie was really good and I think who deserves the most praise is Harry Styles in this movie because him being casted and I I don't I don't really have opinion on one direction but I thought he wasn't gonna be a good actor but he was one of the best actors in my opinion in the film I thought he did a really good job but obviously it was really well filmed and the effects they had in the movie were astonishing and if you're in the theater everyone in the theater is so uh, tense the entire time because you feel like you're there and that's definitely what they're trying to accomplish so it was a good movie i i love dunkirk it, I, it, as a war film it was such a unique look at war um uh didn't really use uh subplot in a way to take uh to to carry the story it really just used these events that was going on and allowed you to feel it between the sound every aspect of it from the sound the cinematography to the acting the direction was just uh fantastic uh absolutely loved it i I also think harry styles was terrific uh as was the entire cast um and it it really i i I love the fact that this was able to tell this very very important story that uh otherwise could get lost um not in terms of those who are interested in history but um and and that's one of the benefits of also having harry styles in there that maybe you know it allowed some younger generations to look up these events and learn a little bit about what actually happened and and put it into context and uh, i i just thought uh it was I, I can't wait to watch it again, and um, I, and I can't help but think about. Uh, I know my grandfather; his life was saved uh, by a Spitfire during the uh, during the invasion of North Africa. A Spitfire came out of the blue and and chased off a, a German uh, uh, plane. And I was thinking a lot about that as Tom Hardy's character um, uh, was flying a Spitfire, I believe. And um, it, it, it just I started thinking about those conversations that I had with my grandfather, and I just hope that. This is the type of movie that allows discussions 
at the home, whether even if the grandparents are no longer there, if anyone was involved in the war, to start speaking about it and, and learning a little bit more. Um, just a, a, a wonderful. I'm really happy to hear you guys say how much you like Dunkirk, because when it opened, it got some amazing reviews and it was almost immediately crowned as a Best Picture frontrunner for the Oscars next year. But then I actually heard some negative reviews from people that had seen it that they, like Jackie said, some people were confused. Some people, I think, had such high expectations that they were a little bit disappointed. But uh, you guys obviously know your films and we value your opinions tremendously. So this is a film that I've been longing to see. I have not yet seen it, but I'm very excited to do so. And it's always cool when a pop star makes a successful transition to acting and I've heard very good things about Harry Styles. So I haven't heard much. I haven't heard much negative criticism, to be honest. Leonard Maltin, the film critic who likes all different types of movies and is certainly well respected, criticized it a little bit. And I know several people that saw it that weren't as crazy about it. I probably talked to about three people that were that liked it but weren't crazy about it, and some that actually really disliked it. But you're going to get that with any film. Uh, I think right now where we stand is that this is the number one Oscar contender going into the Oscars next year. And I, I recommend when uh, listeners, if they've seen it already or are going to see it again, just listening to the sound and how sound was used in that film to build the tension, to, to bring you in, uh, it's uh, just, it, it blew me away, blew me away. Yeah, I also just want to second the, uh, the accolades for uh, Harry Styles. I, I, what I liked about Harry Styles' performance was that he was not playing, and I'm not, I'm not going to give anything away. He was not playing a heroic um, main type of movie character in this movie, and I'm not going to say anything more than that if you haven't seen it. But I just, I really like the fact that such a big star uh, was willing to go into a role like this, and what he did with it was good. And I just want to say, I mean, this is a real life story, um, and I personally feel like you know the information that's out there already, even documentaries and books are just as good or better than the movie itself and i read a book the other uh last month called the miracle of dunkirk it's by walter lord it's essentially what this i don't want to say what this movie was based on obviously but um it was a new york times bestseller it came out in 2015 about this and i highly recommend it if anyone's interested in it hey neil take us through baby driver sure uh so i i really enjoyed baby driver that was another one i, I really going into the movie I, I didn't read much about it i didn't know much about it uh just sort of went in and saw what the whole thing uh, was about and i i always love a film that utilizes music in a way where it helps tell the story and it also um, adds to the, uh, the the viewing pleasure uh, as well, where, where it really coincides nicely. And this film did a terrific job with that. The choreography, I, I had no idea that that's where it sort of was going uh, before I went in. And uh, just a really unique take on uh, uh, between the criminal aspect, the car chasing aspect, the, the, the driving scenes were, were awesome. A few twists and turns along the way. Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, I would recommend it. The, the, the cast was good. Uh, the female lead in that, um, uh, Lily James. Oh, she was awesome. She was just terrific. Uh, I just, it, 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 she just reminded me of, of so many of these great actresses that I loved growing up, and uh, she just did a, a great job. And, Known uh, for her roles in the live-action Cinderella and in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. That's right. Uh, uh, yeah, I just, I, I thought she was great. Uh, really, every time she was 
in my opinion, every time she was on the screen, she just just uh, stole it. Um, just really, uh, almost in a subdued way, which I which I really really uh, uh, thought was very powerful. So, yep, I highly recommend it. Great songs, um, and uh, you could catch on the trend and start bringing out iPods again. That it brought back the iPod trend, I believe. <laughs> right? <laughs> I kind of checked mine out for a while. I haven't done it in so long since I started working with uh, or signed up for Apple Music, but. Uh, I was curious. One of the things I like I like about Baby Driver, not the movie itself, but just the the way it's been in the theaters, the performance in the, at the box office, it almost reminds me of one of those older movies where they give it some time to earn the money back, to stay in the theaters and let people see it with word of mouth and everything like that. When when it was first uh, you know released to the theaters, I didn't know anything about it. And then as it's been in the theaters the whole time, it's been growing and growing. I mean, it's it's, it's right now it's the tenth uh, top grossing movie of the summer according to Box Office Mojo. So oh, wow. I, I know, and when, when you look at it, it's I don't want to say it's a small movie, because it's not. It was a wide-release movie, but it's one of those movies where I think the studio is giving it a chance, letting it stay in the theaters for a while, and I think that's really helping it, just like they used to do you know, when before pulling these movies after two or three weeks even. I'll definitely be seeing this as well. I meant to see it in theaters, but it was out of my local theaters before I had a chance, so I'll be seeing it on DVD. But I'm excited well, a, that you guys liked it. I'm surprised, Scott. You're a big fan of Ansel Elgort, so he's a good actor. He's a good actor. There was a good profile of him in the New York Times earlier this summer, and how he's living this weird life where he's not a household name, but among young people, they all recognize him. And he has a situation where he's becoming more and more famous, and how he adjusts to fame. Good article to check out. Uh, so now I just want to move into the top three movies on our list. Uh, these are the the big hitters here. And I'm not sure we all agree on which movie should be on the top, but the next movie I want to talk about is Wonder Woman. Obviously, Wonder Woman uh, is a juggernaut right now in the box office and in the news. Um, a lot of good reviews. I don't think I actually have read a single bad review about it, although I'm sure they're out there. Um, and, you know, who for those who haven't seen the movie, Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. She's Diana of the Amazon, and it's just, it does follow the comic book series very well, if you're, anyone's familiar with that. Uh, fortunately, I was before the movie came out. Uh, and then how she, of course, like any Marvel, good Marvel or uh, a comic book movie, how she saves the world. Uh, it's a DC movie, not Marvel, but how she then saves the world, of course, as they all do. Um, Jack, what do you think about Wonder Woman? Uh, I love the movie. Like we've said in another podcast, I thought it was so cool because it attracted a whole different side of the superhero movies, brought in a lot of... Um, uh, girls who didn't actually see a lot of these superhero movies, so I thought that was really cool. But the movie was just really great overall. I thought it had a perfect dynamic of being uh, humorous at times, but also being really action-packed. And Gal Gadot was could not have been a more perfect fit for that role. And mm. um, her, I, I don't know the name of the other actor who was in the movie, the uh, the guy who plays her her side. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, he also was really good in the role. And um, overall, like Joe said, following the comic books, it was just a really good movie. And like we all have mentioned in another podcast, it's going to be around for a while. They've already announced they're making more Wonder Woman movies, as they should, because they did extremely well. And I'm looking forward to seeing her in Justice League. I think she'll be a big sell for a lot of people to see Justice League just because she's in it. So. Yeah, this film became arguably one of the biggest success stories in recent years. A lot of the credit for that's going to Patty Jenkins, the film director. She was great. Who, who did do a great job on this film and clearly worked well with Gal Gadot. Um, I think the chemistry between Godot and Pine was interesting. There were some humorous scenes, some dramatic scenes. Uh, there was an emotional core to the film. I, I definitely really enjoyed this one, and I happened to see Gal Gadot posted on Instagram, and I just confirmed it here that Wonder Woman is coming out 
on DVD and Blu-ray September 19th, so it's going to be released just a few weeks from now. It's actually going to be released on digital HD August 29th. I think all of us will be buying that movie and watching that many times going forward. It was one of my favorite films. It's being talked about for a Best Picture Oscar. It does not deserve that. That's not a knock against the film, but we all liked it. Casting was great. Uh, I think Gal Gadot was too. I remember when she was actually in Fast and Furious, it's, it, and we were just sort of the She's star great, baby Fast driver. And Furious. Oh, she was great. Uh, and it's it's sort of interesting because she went from sort of being known uh, in, you know, from Fast and Furious and some other work that she did to becoming a megastar. Um, and deservedly so. Her natural uh, ability with, uh, you know, commanding the, the screen is just, uh, I mean, just terrific. And uh, the direction was great. I, I, I'm a huge Gal Gadot fan. I, I'm excited to see all her work. And, um, and and I can't wait for the next one. And to, to have a movie that really is exciting, action-packed, tells history. I love how it has a historical aspect. Um, and, and, and it also means so much on a social level uh, to, to so many different groups. And to have it where it's appealing to uh, both genders and also to uh, uh, appealing to uh, different age groups. It's just, I mean, it's just universal and it's how just terrific it was. Well, you have to wait till 2019 because that's when they confirmed it's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> we look forward to the sequel whenever it is released. And now we return to our list at number two, Spider-Man Homecoming. This film was exceptional. I saw this in theaters in 3D. The 3D was among the best I've ever seen. There's one particular sequence at the Washington Monument that stands out, which was stellar in 3D. Tom Holland appeared as Spider-Man after making his first appearance as the character in Captain America's Civil War. Marissa Tomei was Aunt May and brought a new take to the character, which was fun to watch. This was funny, charming, exciting, all wrapped up into one. The audience has loved it. It's done amazingly well. It's rejuvenated the Spider-Man series. And I think when we look back on the summer of 2017 at the movies, we will turn to not just Wonder Woman as a superhero that made a splash, but Spider-Man as well. So, guys, what, what did you think of the movie? I love the movie. I actually saw it three or four times. It was great. The first time I saw it, I loved it. The second time I saw it, I actually didn't like it as much. And the third time I saw it, I loved it again. I, <laughs> Funny enough. I, I thought on the first time I saw it, my initial reaction was the movie was really great. Obviously, Tom Holland was great as Spider-Man. Um, so Marissa Tomei as Aunt May, was she was great. And I think it was a lot more interesting for a lot of people to watch other than, uh, not that it was boring, but if you looked at a lot of the Tobey Maguire films, the dynamic got a little stale. Um, and a lot about this movie was the opposite of stale. They brought through a lot of different elements, a lot of different themes with the new characters and a completely new cast, a young cast. And I think they did a great job with Spider-Man 2, um, Homecoming. And I'm looking forward to seeing Spider-Man a lot of the other movies. I, I know he's going to be in Infinity War, which will be really cool. And um, it was just a great movie overall. I, agree. I, I was skeptical at first when they said they were redoing Spider-Man again. Uh, I really was. And, and then when I saw it, uh, uh, it, it became my favorite of the, the Spider-Man films. Um, uh, and I, I actually, what I really liked a lot about it was actually, I, I liked Marissa Tomei's take on uh, uh, on the, the role of the Aunt May. And uh, I, I thought it was, I thought that really was kind of cool. It modernized it a little bit and uh, changed it. And 
change the dynamic. And uh, yeah, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised with uh, how much I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's that's interesting. I, I did not think Marissa Tomei was a good Aunt May. Aunt May is not supposed to be a young, you know, young hip aunt where uh, Tony Stark is trying to date her. It's just it's just not right to me. I, I think that I, I love Marissa Tomei. I don't think that she was right for the anime role. I think they should have kept it as she's been for probably 60 years now in the six from 62, I believe, from the comic books. Uh, a kindly old aunt who is more of a grandmother figure, even if not a mother figure to Peter Parker. That's, you know, that's just my thought on that. What her character has been. It wasn't accurate to, portray, to put Miss Marissa Tomei in the situation, but I think they're just so afraid of the movie being stale and having the same themes. Apparent that they were afraid of um, people not liking it, so they just tried to put some new, you know, new spins on a lot of the characters. And one of the things I liked most about the movie was um, a lot of these movies now, especially like I mentioned earlier, Wonder Woman. They're really successful and they're able to get down the dynamic between, you know, especially in Spider-Man, it fits the character so well, being lighthearted and funny at times, but also having some serious elements and also having some heartwarming elements. And Spider-Man really encapsulated all of them. And especially for the character Spider-Man, it was a perfect fit for him. You see his character develop throughout the movie. And there are times, like I said, where it's more humorous. You see him since he is a teenager, he's joking around with friends. But there's also times when he's being in a, you know, very heartwarming, saving people from uh, fire. Spoiler alert. And um, that was that was a really good element to the movie as well. Jack, by the way, my favorite thing is the reverse spoiler alert. <laughs> if anyone's going, if anyone's going backwards, I save them a spoiler alert. And oh. so we conclude our list of the top films of summer 2017 with the film that kicked off the summer movie season, which is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. This movie currently has an 82% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. This was a highly anticipated sequel after the first film did so well with critics and fans. I love this movie. I thought it captured the humor that was present in the first film. I'm a big fan of Chris Pratt. I think I think he brings something to every role he takes on. The other actors did a fine job, just like in the first film, the soundtrack was absolutely amazing. I actually got on vinyl earlier this week, I believe, or maybe it was the end of last week. The soundtrack to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 features Glenn Campbell and George Harrison, ELO among many artists. So definitely this for me was at the top of the list. Another film that will be coming out soon on Blu-ray. Uh, I love this film. Gentlemen, what did you think? I love this movie. It's it's this is a bold statement to make, but it's my favorite Marvel movie ever made. I oh, loved Guardians God. of the Galaxy 1. And then, uh, Joe's shaking his head, and then when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I loved it even more. I don't know what it was, but when I was watching that movie, I was just so genuinely happy watching the entire thing. And, you know, we can go into, you know, the quality of the movie, but I just thought it was so well done. And um, it was extremely funny. At times, my only complaint with this movie is they have to stop with the Drax humor, which is just him saying something crude and then laughing. That was getting a little yeah. bit annoying. It's funny once or twice, but when he did, like... 10 times i was like all right i'm not laughing at this anymore but um, i agree Jack, other, great point yeah other than that i thought it was a really funny movie and then at the end it was extremely sad and the send-off of um i forget his name but still spoiler alert um was extremely emotional at the end too and um i i love the movie overall and the a lot of movies right now are being made um, by their soundtracks, and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, just like the first, had such a good soundtrack that you get certain vibes and feelings when you're watching the movie based on what music you're listening to, and the music mm -hmm. they have playing during a lot of the movie, I think, contributes to that. Um, and so I have a, I have my, a new playlist right now actually based on the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 play, uh, soundtrack, so I, I love right. the movie, and 
I was heavily advocating for it to be on the number one spot. I don't know if we're all uh, in unison about that, but I'm good with it, Jack. I haven't seen it actually yet. I'm, it's on my queue, so I will see it when it comes out. I mean, I, I love the Guardians franchise. I think I, I don't agree, Jack, that it was better than Guardians 1. Um, I'm not sure it's even my favorite Marvel movie. Even Guardians 1, it's probably up there. I, I really, I think Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire could be my favorite Marvel movie. Um, closely behind Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, my bootleg copy from Broadway with Reeve Carney. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 soundtrack, the soundtrack of uh, the movie really is the best part of the movie, in my opinion. I, I think it was a great sequel. It did what it had to do. Um, which is keep the enjoyment of the first one going. And I, I on that note, I mean, I, I do think it was probably the best summer movie. But um, I don't know if I liked it better than number one, but it was for this year, it was definitely one of my favorites. Um, so just real quick, I mean, I know summer is almost over and this was our list of summer movies, but there are still two movies I just wanted to mention that I want to see this summer, which is uh, the sequel to Annabelle, Annabelle 2. Same here. And uh, I, also want, I also want to see The Hitman's Bodyguard. So Me too. While, while I don't think that those two movies will crack, you know, maybe my top five, they're definitely going to probably, I say definitely, but they'll, they likely will be above Pirates of the Caribbean uh, uh, <laughs> for me. So I can't wait till those two movies come out uh, and I'll update everybody on how they are. Moving on from our summer movie discussion, going to keep it in the summer trip category. And I'm going to turn it over to Scott for a quick trip report on his Hershey Park visit. It's time for a trip report. Thank you, Joe. I'll talk about some of the highlights of the trip to Hershey, Pennsylvania. First, I'll note that I stayed at the Hotel Hershey, which is a legendary hotel. It opened in 1933. There was an issue with our hotel room when we checked in. As a result, Hotel Hershey's management, which was top quality, upgraded us to what they call one of their cottage rooms, which is not in the main hotel building, but is rather towards the back of the property and literally looks like a cottage like you see in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Our cottage was the furthest on the property. It was like being in the middle of the wilderness, which was very cool. We spent a lot of time in the cottage and in that area. And we also went to the outdoor pool, which has very much of a resort feel and good good poolside dining, which is where we had dinner one of the nights. You wouldn't think that there would be a real resort feel in Hershey, Pennsylvania, but at that pool, there definitely is. So I definitely would encourage all of our listeners to stay at the Hotel Hershey or go spend some time there. Next, I'll note that we did spend an evening at Hershey Park, which is one of the great American theme parks. I had not been there in decades, literally. It's an interesting park because there are rides for young children and there's rides for thrill seekers. There's not a lot in between. So for example, at Disney World, there are those in-between rides like Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, and so forth. There's not many rides like that at Hershey from what I could see, but it just has a very pretty aesthetic. It's a nice looking park. And I enjoyed my time there immensely. I'll note that there are some real good food choices there, not just in the sweets department, which isn't surprising because you're in Hershey, but a wide variety of other types of food as well. Something that is fun to do is spend time playing any one of the boardwalk type games they have there, like the water guns where you got to shoot the water in the hall and uh, ring toss type games. That was a lot of fun. I'd also mentioned that we went to the theme park at 6.30 at night, which enabled us to get on rides pretty quickly with little wait times. So uh, definitely really enjoyed Hershey Park. Two more things I'll mention. One is that we went to Hershey's Chocolate World, which is free to enter. You don't have to pay to enter, but you may have to pay for some of the activities inside, depending on what you choose to do. Hershey's Chocolate World was absolutely packed on the two occasions we went, one at night and one once during the day. Uh, they're best known for their classic chocolate ride, which takes you through how Hershey makes their chocolate. 
There is stuff on there that would appeal to anyone if you're a chocolate lover. It's a Disney-esque attraction that, to me personally, I think could fit in well in any of the other in any of the Disney theme parks. It's a lot of fun. It's a classic feel. It's educational, highly detailed, and creative. At Hershey's Chocolate World, they have very good shopping options throughout, not just in terms of Hershey-themed toys and clothing, but any type of Hershey's chocolate or candy that you could think of, you could buy there in bulk. It's kind of like a Costco for Hershey. And then they have a make-your-own-chocolate thing, a 4D ride, and a food court where you could also get ice cream at one of the uh, stands, which is really cool. And the last thing I'll mention returns us to Hotel Hershey. The first night there, we had dinner at Harvest Restaurant, which opened a few years ago. This is a restaurant that we dressed very casually for. I was in shorts and a polo shirt and boating shoes. The uh, restaurant is in a building that's attached to game rooms. So there's air hockey, there's skee-ball, which is really nice. It's arguably one of the nicest game rooms that I've seen at a hotel. Even though they don't have the most games, it's very, um, very well designed. The restaurant Harvest has a very traditional American menu. I had a hamburger to eat. We started with deviled eggs, which were extremely delicious. The bread they served was great. And even the iced tea was quite tasty. And if you're interested in having drinks, there's a very good bar area, not just at Harvest Restaurant, but in Hotel Hershey as well. And one night I went there and had a drink while watching a game and just relaxing after the day. So that was my trip to Hershey. I encourage all of our listeners to go there if you haven't already. It's a wonderful place, and I plan on going there perhaps this year during the holiday season to see the lights they have. Chocolate uh, butter. Chocolate butter was my favorite. Where did you have that? Uh, it was it came in the breakfast buffet for the toast. It was chocolate butter, and I love the chocolate shampoo and uh, yes. products they give you. That was terrific. Jack, I know you've been to Hershey many times, and you're a fan of it. Yes, yeah, so we we used to go to Hershey a lot. We haven't gone in a while. I probably have the best memories from going to Hershey. We always used to go during the uh, Christmas season, so it was a little bit more crowded. One of the things they do is they open the ice skating rink that's actually in front of the uh, Harvest uh, restaurant. I don't know if it's still there now, but whenever we used to go, there was an ice skating rink, and we'd go skating there in the winter. And um, obviously you can't go in the pool, but the coolest thing is they have this huge light show that goes through these, um, it's a drive around light show, you go in your car and they have a radio station that connects with it and you drive around these lights like in the woods right near the uh, hotel and it is by far one of the coolest memories I had of the hol- uh, holiday se- uh, season growing up. Um, and the hotel's super nice. Mm. The Obviously, they've been renovating a while for a while now. The new cottages are super nice. I've stayed in both. And um, the Harvest the harvest um, Restaurant is also extraordinary. Um, and last time I went, they were actually building a lot of new park rides. I unfortunately haven't been able to get on them since, but I'm looking forward to doing that next time I go. But Hershey Park is a great place, especially for people with young kids, uh, especially during the holiday season. It's extremely warm, extremely friendly, and um, you'll definitely have uh, some good memories when you go there. It's good for, for our listeners if any of them are into golf. Am I correct that they have a lot of uh, yes. highly regarded golf courses? Yes, they have, I think, two golf courses, if I'm not if I'm not wrong. And okay. I know my parents always used to play there. I was a little young at the time. But, um, okay. The, the golf courses are really nice, yeah, and they, they always had a good time playing there as well. Something nice. I'll mention – to conclude our Hershey discussion is that one of our listeners on Twitter, who's at Canuck Duck, his wife has a blog, which is largely devoted to Hershey. It's www.thisrollercoastercalledlife.com. If you go there and click on Hershey PA events, you can get up-to-date news about what's going on in Hershey. Um, check it out. I think it's really good and you'll enjoy it. And now I'm going to turn it over to Jack, who's going to take us through this episode's final segment, 
the ever-popular Stuff We Love. Let's talk about some Stuff We Love. I really love the MVMT watches, so I picked these up a while ago off of, after watching a popular YouTuber who recommended them, and they could not be any nicer. They are extremely good looking. They have a modern feel with classic touches. They come in various colors and they make a ton of different styles for really anything you're looking for. And the nicest thing about them is they're super high quality, but the prices are extremely reasonable. And they come in a different bunch of different sizes and you can get them for men as well as women. So I picked up two watches as did Scott and I actually received mine already. And I was not disappointed. First of all, I just want to note that the packaging on them is insane. It's probably the nicest packaging I've ever received anything in. Um, it comes with a sleeve covering a leather case, and then it comes inside this inside the case. There's the watch, obviously, really well protected, and then information booklets on the watch. Um, and it, overall, I was really happy with MVMT, and the watches look just as nice as they do on the website. And I'm happy to announce that you can pick up MVMT watches because we're now affiliated with them on our website, on our products page. Um, and you can do so by going to, as Scott will mention at the end, uh, slash products. So if you guys are interested in checking out those watches, make sure to look at our website to do so. Jack, I love those. When you showed me those watches on FaceTime, uh, that type of uh, quality, the way they look, uh, they're just just terrific. They're, they're, they're exceptional. If you go to their website and you look at what they have, you'll want to buy every single watch on the page. It's just presented so well and they come up with such unique color combinations. They're beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you can choose between, uh, uh, it's so easy to, to, to navigate if you like something, but you want a different case size. Um, uh, you could, if you want it to be a little dressier, a little sportier, uh, and just every single possible combination and option. It's just a very, very user-friendly, uh, which, which makes the, the process even uh, more enjoyable. So in terms of my stuff I love this week, I'm going to talk about an artist that I'm a fan of. His name is Eric Cash. He's a Texas-based artist. I would describe his artwork as being retro-themed. He's known in particular for his work drawing pictures of, and paintings of the Beatles. I actually have met him several times at the annual Fest for Beatles fans. His website is Eric Cash, E-R-I-C-C-A-S-H, illustration.com. I encourage all of our listeners to go to his website and check out his products. Uh, he also does sports-themed work and commercial art. In my office, I have four of his Beatles paintings. One of them is, I shouldn't say paintings, these are, I guess, copies, but I had him sign each of them. The first is a picture of John Lennon meeting Paul McCartney from July 6, 1957, which is the day they met. The second is a picture of the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show on their first appearance, February 9, 1964. The third is John Lennon singing... All You Need Is Love on the global TV broadcast, which is an unbelievable picture. The use of color there is astounding. And then the last one I have is a picture of a yellow submarine deep in the ocean, which I think is really cool. But he's constantly doing new Beatles stuff. Check it out, ericcashillustration.com. Okay. Uh, thanks, Scott. One of the things that I love this week is the Yi YI home security camera. It's a camera that you put into your house. You can watch it on Wi-Fi. You watch it through your phone on an app. It cords right to the camera on an SD card. And the quality is fantastic. It's 1080p. It records uh, in high definition. And it's, I'm going to order more of these cameras, actually, after the show. Um, so that's one of the things I love this week. Neil? Thanks, Joe. So the, uh, what I would like to speak about is uh, from Stuff We Love is just actually I've been using it a lot for this podcast. And uh, um, a friend of mine mentioned that 
you have different headphones for different reasons, for different purposes. And uh, I've been using the AKG K240 headphones. Um, and they have a great history uh, in the, uh, especially as the premier studio headphone for a very long time. The clarity is uh, really, really, um, it, it's, it's tough to, uh, it, it, it's tough to beat with that type of clarity. And what I really love about this is that it actually has a terrific price point, especially if you go to Amazon to purchase it. I think it's somewhere along the $50 range, something like that. Uh, and to it, while it's not Bluetooth, it's not noise cancellation, um, it's uh, just a, a real listening pleasure, uh, whether it's us speaking here, uh, if you're listening to a podcast, or whether you're listening uh, uh, to really want to hear music the way it was intended to be heard from the recording studio um uh, it just uh, is is really just a, a great buy at a great price i have those headphones i'm wearing them now as well and i love them all right everybody thanks for listening i'm scott i'm going to turn it over to you for some closing remarks thank you joe thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode we appreciate your listening and encourage you to subscribe if you have not yet done so we also are on numerous social media platforms please follow us on twitter at stuff we love pod Follow us on Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. Please like us on Facebook. The Stuff We Love Podcast has its own Facebook page. We are now posting content there on a daily basis. Please visit our website, www.stuffwelovepodcast.com. This is where visitors can read bios of the hosts, learn a little bit more about the show, and visit our products page, which is stuffwelovepodcast.com slash products, where you could check out uh, MVMT watches that Jack was talking about earlier tonight, we also have other affiliate programs we're involved with. So check that out. Our email address is stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com. Please write in in response to this episode. Share your thoughts on your own summer movie memories from 2017. Let us know if you've been to Hershey, PA, and what your thoughts on it are. And let us know the stuff that you're loving right now. And finally, we encourage you to go on iTunes and leave us five-star reviews. We're getting numbers of them now, which is really exciting. And we pass the... 100 subscriber mark in just a matter of a couple of days, which is astounding. So thank you all for your support. I am Scott. Thank you for tuning in. And I'll send it around the table so my co-hosts can sign off. And I'm Joe. Thanks for listening once again. I'm Neil. Thanks a lot, everyone. And I'm Jack. Really would have been appreciative of all the support you guys have been giving us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. The five-star reviews have really been great. And looking forward to hearing from all you guys in future episode. Thanks for listening.